You are listening to the Amen Corner, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. For more information about the Amen Corner, please follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and all your other favorite social media. Welcome to Season 8, Episode 6 of the Amen Corner. He's still Stephen Cook. And you're still Brad Rothschild. Am I, though? You are. I don't know. I feel I'm, like... I'm convinced you are. I'm not myself anymore. Nobody is themselves anymore. <laughs> Everybody... Down is up. Up is down. Everybody we know is turning, is watching Fox News. I have I've yet to watch Fox News. I, me either. But a lot of people And I read are. the New York Post for the sports. I don't even do that. I, I, I will tell you, though, that I understand people's impulses in this, on that, to, to do that. Yeah, before we delve into anything uh, too serious, speaking yeah. of New York Post sports. Yeah. Do you know who was outed this week as a Trump supporter? No, who was added this week as a Trump supporter? Nasty Nestor Cortez. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. My nephew sent me, one of my nephews sent me a thing saying that Nasty Nestor Cortez is a, is a Trump supporter. He was at a Trump rally this week. Yeah. He got a shout out from the man himself. So for anybody who is listening who doesn't know, Nestor Cortez is a pitcher for the Yankees. He has literally come out of nowhere and become, in the last few years, one of their most reliable pitchers. As Stephen and I both have Nasty Nestor Cortez t-shirts. Thank you very much for the t-shirt. Which I, I will no longer wear. You can wear yours if you want. You well, can he, didn't turn yours. Good, he didn't have a very good season and they he sucked. Was I felt he was very injured. self-conscious about wearing my Nasty Nestor Cortez he was, t-shirt. He was injured this year. Yeah. we had. I mean, the shirts are funny as hell because they're right. like Mario Brothers shirts. Yeah. Because uh, he looks this, like Mario. Because he's got the mustache. And yeah. yeah. Like, you know. But um, he's no longer the adorable pitcher for the New York Yankees, as far as I'm concerned. He's just another douchebag. Um, so, yeah. Two I'm, other, not, I'm not happy about that. Two other things we got to talk about. Just One, in these very dark times, yeah. hope does spring eternal. Uh-huh. And I just want to say that Hanukkah is coming up. Great. I found the dates this morning, December 7th to the 15th. The dates yeah. were hiding in plain sight. The days were hiding in plain sight, but I didn't know. I was like, hmm, when's Hanukkah? When am I not going to get gifts? But I can hope that I am. Mm. And so I'm starting to hope. Anyway. Um, and the other piece of news was, so you spent some time with my in-laws. I did. I had a wonderful, I had a wonderful breakfast with them on uh, Wednesday morning. Yeah, Wednesday yeah, morning. Yeah, it was Wednesday. I, I, t- yeah. I told did you order the, the lobster uh, Benedict? That was not on the menu. Uh, yeah, it's my mother-in-law said. I said to uh, her, I said, I told them to order the lobster Benedict. I did, I did not see that on the menu. <laughs> uh, they ca- I was in Boston for a screening of my film on Tuesday Woo-hoo! night. And your in-laws were there. And then we had breakfast. They said it was the great. They said the movie was great. And they said they had a great time hanging out with you. And yes, we had a lot of fun the next morning. Um, yeah, it was great. They're nice. They're good people. Um, They're like... We- we Our son-in-law, though. Yeah. Wow. No, there was some woman there at the screening who they introduced me to. She's like, I'm Steven's biggest fan. I'm like, cool. <laughs> I'm like, nice okay. to meet you. Nice, nice to meet you. And then All she's right. like, no, I think Mia Cook is his biggest fan. I'm like, probably. Uh, uh, I'm not I'm sure about there. that. I'm, like, I'm up there in the list. Uh, you know? 
but she's like, I'm Steven's biggest fan. I'm like, oh, nice to meet you then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm big. Fun. I'm big in the in the Boston suburbs. You're big in the West Newton cinema, apparently. <laughs> Is that was it in West Newton? It was the screening was at the West Newton cinema. Uh-huh. And um I got up there earlier in the day. I had yeah. a little time. Yeah. And we were staying at the the Marriott in Newton. Uh-huh. And um I decided it was a nice day. It was right. kind of warm. And yeah. um because Brandeis University had been in the news this week, I was like, oh, let me go to Brandeis and walk around. And of course, you know. It's kind of far from Newton, isn't it? No, no, no. It's, it's like not? seven minutes from the hotel. Oh, it's really? Seven minute drive from the hotel. And you know my my Michelle's personal connection to Right, Brandeis. of course. Um, Will you so, tell our listeners of Michelle's connection? So to Michelle's it? grandfather, Abe Sacker, was the founding president of Brandeis. Amazing. And we had been, the reason we didn't record the podcast last weekend is because we were in Miami for our niece's Benot Mitzvah. So there was a lot of soccer talk uh, over soccer. the whole weekend. And and then I was like, all right, I'm, I'm near campus and let me go to Brandeis because I'm not sure that you know this, but I'm going to drop some knowledge on you right now. Do it. Michelle's grandparents are buried on campus. Really? Yes. Wow. That so I, I didn't know. So I went to their graves and I put, you know, the stone on their graves. They're buried on the college campus. Like not in the quad or anything like that, right. but like you have to know where it is. <laughs> and I like wandered around. I'm like, Can you imagine if it was in the quad? No, I mean, yes. That'd be weird, it, man. It would be weird. It's weird enough that it's not in the quad, that it's just right. anywhere. So it's right by the Sacker building. Like yeah. the International Relations Building is is named in their memory, right? Right. Um, so I went and uh, I did that during the day. It was interesting, um, but it was a nice day. And I was looking around to see if there were like protests on campus or anything. Well, there was one. I mean, there was. Yeah, but not when I was there. It was right. really the best word I could use to describe it was sleepy. Like there just yeah. weren't a lot of people. What time of day was it? mid-afternoon yeah. you know three o'clock right because like if you go to a, any random college campus it doesn't really seem to like 11 is like seven elsewhere <laughs> right like 7 a.m you mean yeah yeah yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah but i mean generally you see people milling around and like going to classes and i didn't just i just didn't see a lot of people out there yeah no. and then when I came back to the city, or not even when I came back, there were a couple of incidents this week in my neighborhood where people got into physical altercations with other people over the kidnapped Israeli oh, What happened? So, Jeez Louise. Were people ripping down yes. posters? See, this is... So, so this people is... have been ripping down posters, and other people have been confronting them over it. Now, I'm going to tell you a story. Okay. That is the the pure definition of fuck around and find out. Yeah. Okay. Okay? Yeah. So, you know that I do Krav Maga. Yes. The owner of the Krav Maga gym that I go to okay. is an Israeli guy. Okay. Who has been a practitioner of Krav Maga since he was in his teens. 
and given he, that this is the israeli is he, like fighting yeah. defensive right. self-defense self-defense like yeah discipline um now he, i i had a krav maga like you know we had israeli counselors at camp yeah. and I, I remember like doing a krav maga and it always struck me as like Stick your fingers in their eyes, kick them in the balls, and run away. I mean, away. that's part of it, but that's yeah. like that's like boiling it down to like the absolute like. Okay. It's more to learn how to fight, so you don't have to fight. And if you do have to fight, then you inflict damage, and then you go away. So right, that whole right. idea okay. of like poking in the eyes or right. kicking in the groin—that's part of like you're not you don't look for a fight, but right. if a fight finds you then you're going to at least be able to yeah, it, right survive it so you so you can defend the two of us because i don't know how to do that <laughs> exactly <laughs> okay good exactly. i just gotta run well i mean that's krav maga <laughs> okay running away from a fight if you don't have to fight right so so this guy he is he's been practicing self-defense for i don't know close to 30 years i would right. say okay and he is an instructor. Okay. So let's that's, just say he's proficient he at pro- Krav Maga. That's a good way to put it. He's proficient. Okay. He was walking on the Upper West Side, holding the hands of his two small children. Okay. And some guy who had ripped down the sign got into his face with the sign and said, what do you think of that? Like he ripped down the sign, he shoved it in this guy's face. And he said, what do you think of that? And I'm not naming. I'm not going to say his name because I want to right preserve his his, his privacy. Mm-hmm. My instructor looked at him and said, "I suggest that you put that back." Oh, that's like some serious, like fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger. Stuff. <laughs> I, I suggest you put that back. Yeah, I suggest that you. I put must that kill back. you now. Yeah. The guy took a swing at him. No. You talk about the last Israeli in New York City that you should be taking a swing at. You, congratulations, pal! You picked the right one. Holy shit! So my guy pulled back, avoided the punch, and then stepped in and hit Leveled him, him once, and that was it. Got out. Like, and he was explaining this to us in class the following on Friday. He's like, "I know that we train you to keep hitting and keep hitting and then go." He's like. But I knew that that one punch did enough. He was right. down. He was no longer a threat. And that was the end of it. He did take a picture of him. He showed me the picture. The guy had a nice little raspberry on his face. Was the guy like, ah, oh, oh. He did look like that, actually. <laughs> Holy shit. But I mean, again, you want to fuck with the... This is the last guy you want to be fucking with. But, like, so, but can we talk about the larger issue here? What is motivating people... I mean, people don't. Well, actually, what's happened is people don't. They think it's it's propaganda that that this is. Yes, not they happened. don't believe it. They don't believe it, or they'll say, "Well, what about He's all the just, Palestinian children that are right. dying too?" Or yes. you, you're listening to Zionist propaganda. This isn't true. It's nuts. So, and it's who nuts. and who is who is pulling this? I mean, like, I feel like who's doing this? random people on the street just like random random look i saw a video on i mean i saw a video of that woman from nyu law school who got her who right job was rescinded i saw a video of her pulling down these things i mean there are okay i wasn't shocked by that 
there was a I saw a video on social media of a young woman who was ripping down the signs, and she, when she was confronted, she said, "I stand with all oppressed people everywhere." So the implication there is that Israelis are oppressing Palestinians, right? And whatever Palestinians do is legitimate, right? Because well, that's Israel is the occupying power, and occupation is wrong and illegal. And so that that is the dominant discourse yes. on, the, on the left right now. Yes. So yes. it's and that this is kidnapping toddlers and elders by is any legitimate. means necessary. By any means necessary, we will resist. So well, yes, this is why raping we, and murdering and ripping fetuses this is out why of Israelis are continuing their onslaught because there's nothing that they can do. So That's they right. might as well That's do right. everything they can to destroy Hamas because. They, they they will they, they they have no argument against this it's not that it's not that they don't have a case per se but when you when people are justifying the kidnapping of, of little children as yep. any means necessary then then the israelis right. are like you know we've lost all kind of like sense so what's the point why are we being lectured about proportionality this is the same argument that israelis have been making since the founding of the state, right? That the world is against us and it doesn't matter what we do. So we have to take care of ourselves. And of course, in the early years, in the immediate aftermath of the Holocaust, where many uh, survivors had gone to Israel Mm -hmm. and they had experienced genocide themselves and they understood that nobody is going to do a goddamn thing to help them. Now, I think there's there's a feeling that there are people being held hostage that 1200 people were slaughtered innocents yeah. in there and that the world is you know millions of people are showing up in london to denounce them that's right that, that the world is against them and that they that's are right. alone and i my sense in talking to people there is that that early state ethos of we're alone but we have mm-hmm. guns and we have to be relying on ourselves has resurfaced after years of kind of becoming this bourgeois society right. and so on and so forth that 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 kind of early early Israel ethos has has returned, and then it's not wrong. No, it, it has it's not wrong if you look it, around college campuses and around the world. No doubt, it, and it has returned, but it was absent on October seventh. Well, right, and that has shaken every last Israeli mm-hmm. to the core. Right, that the army was not there to protect. Right. The, and I'm not going to call them settlements as the same thing as the settlements in the West Bank. No, farms the, and towns. The, the villages and, and towns right. along the Gaza border that are part of pre-1967 Israel. Right. So and, we're uh, not and, talking about settlements. In, these in are also like Kibbutzim and Moshevim. These are like the lefties. I can't tell you the number. These are the people who are like peaceful coexistence. The number of people who professionally pursue coexistence were yeah. murdered or taken hostage. Right. Um, it's awful. And these are the people the the people who would have were always at the forefront of pushing for a better future for both. So, and so, what's happening is is that Israelis are aware that on the Upper West Side, a place that is very Jewish and very liberal. Are, very liberal, very Jewish. People are pulling down. Yes, being attacked. People who've been. Yes, and so it's it is fueling this thing, and and it is one of those things where basically 
they're saying we don't give a fuck what the international community because nothing that we can do could ever satisfy because the only thing that they are satisfied with is dead Jews. I mean, I'm I'm channeling destruction of the state of Israel. I'm I'm channeling these views. The elimination of the state of Israel. And and I will say that given the kind of like not obviously not all of the not all of the protests in support of the Palestinians has been pro Hamas, but there's been enough of it from enough surprising yeah. quarters. Yeah. Like we were discussing the other day in the car. Like, you know, I was saying that the 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 pogrom or near pogrom in Dagestan was really like eye opening and, and frightening. Yeah. And you said you said what was worse for you was the fact that the faculty yes. at elite universities yes. are fomenting kind of pro Hamas propaganda. And and articulating, well, where do you think a lot of these people get this? Articulating the idea that it, by any means necessary that, you know, kidnapping children, oh, well, that may be bad, but, you know, uh, by any means necessary, these are the oppressed. I mean, there's a lot of reading, of, continued reading of France Fanon uh, yep. on college yep. campuses, yep. in addition to, you know, kind of radicalized discourse about Jews and Israelis and the dehumanization of them. So... That's how you get people tearing down posters of babies who've been taken from their parents. Yeah. So my brother sent me a tweet this week that I'm going to read to you. I, I, it's so f- I, I, I am only on social media to post my own work, and I scoot on and I scoot right off. I think no, it's, I know, but you're going to enjoy. It's this like tweet. smoking six packs of, of cigarettes in an hour. But you're going to enjoy it. Is for you. You're going to enjoy this tweet. Okay. One of the major lessons we've all learned in the last 33 days. Who's tweeting this? Your brother? No, he sent it to me. He's uh, okay. it's, it's nobody who I know. Uh, okay. One of the major lessons we've all learned in the last 33 days, send your kids to a party college. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. Rich and I once talked about this a, a while back. And he said it was after some BDS explosion on at Vassar. Yeah. And I was telling him about it because the then president of Vassar called me. Yeah. And... He said, you know, I, I got to be honest with you. It strikes me that it would be better to send our kids to like big state universities. And I said, what? You think like there isn't like BDS and so like He said, no, but it's bigger. He's like, at a place like Vassar, it's like 2,200 students. Right. It's and magnified it's so and yeah. there's more social pressure on yeah. more kids and so on and so forth. Whereas at a place with 60,000 kids, yeah. it's, Look, it's, it's, I a, can, it's I can probably tell you. a better environment for them. I can tell you anecdotally that Talia, who is at the University of Delaware, yeah, is almost completely insulated from all of this. Right, like it doesn't exist. Right, there were a bunch of uh, kidnapped Israeli posters that were placed on the quad, and nobody took them down. Right, right, and that was it. She hasn't experienced so is anything. It, is there a problem specifically with? Elite faculty at elite schools yes. is it that schools are big is it like no university of delaware is subject to you know the whims of the delaware legislature and faculty feel that they I can't speak. no i don't think that's what it is honestly at delaware i think it's not the most diverse campus in the world uh-huh. right uh-huh. delaware is not the most diverse state in the world right um it's not an overly politicized campus right so you know like berkeley is a state school right but so is it Michigan, extremely politicized? Yeah, and they're politicized campuses. There, right. this is. I don't want to say it's apathetic because I'm quite sure that there are plenty of people there who are political. Right. But in general, it doesn't strike me as a hotbed of activism. So, it, it, are you suggesting that at schools where there's been a greater emphasis on access, 
for traditionally underrepresented groups, mm. it's worse for Jews. I look. I'm not. Saying that is that. that is exactly I'm not what that. someone like Barry Weiss is saying. But I'm not when saying she writes that. "Kill DEI" because yeah. it's, it's dangerous for Jews. I, I'm not saying that. Um, I mean, I do think I, I do don't think know. There is something yeah. to the argument that DEI offices um, and and their senior administrators often downplay threats to the Jewish community. I think that that's true. I think that, and we've talked about this, that DEI excludes Jews. Right. Intersectionality doesn't kills. include. Or t- has the potential to kill. Well, it doesn't include Jews. Jews are not included in right, personality. Yeah. So, and this, so I've been thinking a lot about this, obviously, we all have. So, Jews historically never fit into a box, right? We're all, we're neither this nor that. We're both of these things. We're all right. of these things. So, right. Jews could be blamed for the evils of communism and the excesses and capitalism. of capitalism at right. the same time. So likewise, Zionism is not this and it's not that, right? It's not a purely colonial movement, right? Right, Right. well, that's the thing. (laughs) I was saying this to one of my colleagues. I said one of the things that makes this case so hard is that it is not purely a case of settler colonialism. it's not. (laughs) But at the same time, they are... There is an aspect of it. The West Bank and those... (laughs) are settlements that are not considered part of Israel proper. Well, and, and also just think like there had always been a Jewish presence in, in historic Palestine. Oh, yes. always, always. I mean, the evidence is incontrovertible. Again, I'm so, actually reading a really interesting book um, about Gaza and uh-huh. it taught, and it goes back to like, you know, way back. And the Philistines? About, you know, what's that? The Philistines in Gaza? Yeah. And <laughs> it, it talks about, how you know they're the Jewish zealots of of the yeah. area and stuff like that, and so, but so you have that, but you also have you know the the movement of European Jews yes. into Palestine. So there's so there are elements the of elements, both right. of those things, right? So right. Jews don't get included, or Israelis, or Jewish uh, inhabitants of history of the biblical land of israel or palestine or whatever you want to call it they do not get lumped into other with other indigenous groups let me add another aspect to it you have a good portion of the israeli population who come from the middle east who were dispossessed of all of their possessions my iraq my iraqi uncle's entire family was were dispossessed of everything taken by the iraqi government and then they made their way to Cyprus and then ultimately to Israel through the Jewish agency, through a secret deal, basically. But they, they were, their stuff was, they were dispossessed. Right. So to say that Israelis are white right. is wrong. Right. Right. Because the majority of Israelis are not Ashkenazic. Right. They're not originally, they don't have, they're not originally, you know, of European descent. They're right. mixed. They're Mizrahi Jews. They're, Middle Eastern Jews. I mean, Baghdad, a quarter of the population in Baghdad was Jewish. Aleppo, back, large Jewish yeah. population. Back in the Cairo. Day. Cairo had a mix, though. It was a lot of European. It was European yeah. Jews as well as Middle Eastern yeah. Jews. Alexandria, too. Tunisia. I mean, you know, the, all of these places were had Libya, lots of Libyan Jews, Moroccan Jews, right. I mean, Algeria. half the crazies in Israel now are Iraqi or Moroccan Jews. I think more than half. The, I mean, of the, cra- of the crazies. I mean, uh, so I had a I had a, se- a former senior Iraqi official say to me. He said, "Well, of course there are Iraqis." I got it. Yeah. Anyway, so so we're not 
not indigenous, but we're not indigenous at the same right. time. Like we're well, neither this indigenous. nor that. No, you're indigenous, indigenous to Long Island. Island. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So actually your family is indigenous more than Ukraine or wherever right. they come from. Right? Like where, if you do a 23andMe, uh, you're going to have, I pretty much guarantee, pretty close to 100% Ashkenazi. Yeah, yeah, because Jews. my father's family were German Jews and my mother's family were Ukrainian Jews. So, but again, originally, a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago, where are they from? We don't, we don't have the answer to that. Right. But, like you said, there has been a continuous Jewish presence in the land. It's not a simple, anybody who thinks that this is a simple issue has clearly not been well, paying attention the because is, is that it, it has been it as I, I think I said last time in the in this moment of not moment in in this moment in which we're living, which there's a demand for moral absolutes. You there there is there are narratives that are being advanced that aren't accurate, right? So like there's no conception on if you and this is was my lament when I briefed the University of Texas Chancellor's Advisory Board that. Any student arriving on their campus is in August wanting to learn about this issue isn't going to learn anything about it. They're, it's going to be kind of indoctrination. Yeah. So like, and and you and you get all this kind of false narrative, like the idea that I, that I had an Iraqi uncle married into the family and had came from this large Jewish family that was dispossessed at the in the in the early 1950s by the Iraqi government is not something that's taught. Then you, you down to the kind of mundane things like. Uh, Israelis stole hummus from the Palestinians. Right, right. There were there were right. no Jews in Aleppo or eating hummus. No Jews in Damascus. I mean, this is craziness. So um, yes, and in a time like this, there's no room for nuance. Right. Everybody gets entrenched in their worldview and in right. their belief that they're right and the other side is wrong. And unfortunately, young people, and I think we talked about this, tend to see things in black and white. It's good and evil. It can't, there's no shades of gray allowed here. So Palestinians are the victims. Israelis are the aggressors. Right. Israelis are evil. Palestinians are innocent. Right. Uh, I'm simplifying it, obviously, but right. that's essentially what causes young people on the Upper West Side to, to rip down, down signs posters of, and right. to say, you people are selling, are, are pushing lies and propaganda of the Zionist government and right. Zionism is evil. And by the way, there was another incident on the, on 100th Street, right next to my synagogue on Shabbat yesterday, uh, what where happened? somebody was ripping down signs, and somebody from the synagogue came out and got punched, and the guy just walked away. The guy punched. Wait, the guy yeah, who's carrying down punched yeah. the guy from the synagogue. Yep. Was it a a, a congregant or a staff member? I believe it was a congregant. I nobody stuck around. I came there maybe five minutes after the incident happened, and I ran into a friend of mine on the street, and he's like an Israeli guy, and he's like, "Did you see what happened? There was a fight. There was like somebody got hit." Are there, no, like, are there no cops around the synagogues in the city? I mean, if you go, if Steven, in my neighborhood, there are so many police around the synagogue. David, An Sheikh Hassan is on a hundredth street yeah. between Broadway and West End. Yeah. Right. There is a police precinct on 100th Street between Amsterdam and Columbus. But they're not stationed in front of the There city. were for the first couple of weeks after. Oh, we, we have it every Friday and Saturday. Well, there, are secure, there is security out in front of the synagogue uh, during services. Mm -hmm. And like I said, the first couple of weeks after October 7th, there was 
a visible police presence uh-huh. right. on the street in front of the synagogue. But there wasn't one yesterday. And I nobody stuck around after the incident except for people on the street milling around who had witnessed it. And there was a woman who was watching this when we were we were talking about what was going on. And she was like, I live on the street with my little kids. And she started crying. Like she just started no crying. Is on video? I'm surprised. Like I think somebody, I think, they, I think they said they did. And I'm pretty sure there are uh, closed circuit cameras on that. Right, street. right. I'm confident that if there are, they will find the person who did right. this. But it's just, this is the Upper West Side. Like yeah. this is supposed to be, be like I always laugh. I always gave you a hard time. The like, mean streets. You really are a Zionist. You do. You live in West Israel. The mean streets of the Upper West Side, where nothing ever happens other than you know the random traffic accident. Right. 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 Or people getting, you know, having small amounts of money stolen. So, this is not a dangerous neighborhood. Right. So as I was saying, intersectionality kills or has the potential to at least. And look, any idea taken to its natural conclusion can kill. Well, but this one is particularly pernicious when it comes to the to the fate of Jews, because the idea that this is a system of oppression that is all the same and that it is lacks any kind yeah. of nuance under these circumstances. Yes, anything under these circumstances, nuance, anything may, I think, nuance, puts Jews yeah. in a particularly perilous situation. Look, I'm yeah. not going to I'm not going to what aboutism, but uh, what about it? But. There is right wing, and you and I have talked about murderous right wing. I, I think that that's right, but I think that there's, I think that there's a, a real danger now of violence on both both extremes, there, and we've it, seen it. People, it's, maybe it's they're happening. not picking up guns, right? It's, it's happening, right? Exactly. I do want to say one thing. I was texting with a friend last night who's been just uh, since October seventh. I, I don't think he's done anything other than doom scroll, and I've been trying to get him not to. And he kept sending me these texts last night. We are alone. We are alone. Oh I was like, God. listen, dude, there are a lot of allies of Jews in the United States and around the world. Um, but at the same time, um, yeah. you have to pick and choose your allies appropriately. And I think that the Jewish community has done a particularly bad job of it in the last couple of decades, believing that um, they're good goodwill will be reciprocated at moments of crisis. And it hasn't. And there've been all kinds of indications up, up to leading up to October 7th, that it would not be, uh, it would not be reciprocated. And people wanted to close their minds and turn their turn and, and not close their minds, but, 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 you know, say it's not really happening or, you know, whatever. And, and now it's happened. Um, and so I think just as Israelis feel like they're alone in the world and, but they're not really, that American Jews may feel alone. I think what they feel yeah. is that their allies have abandoned them. And so now it's, you know, time for some resilience, some, well, some self-help yeah. and resilience. And also, and you and I were talking about this earlier, it's also going to mean that a lot of our uh, friends, a lot of our Jewish friends are going to take a hard turn to the right because they are going to feel like they've been abandoned. And why should I fight for anybody else when they're not fighting for me? And you know what? Fox News is presenting me a version of the truth that is more that I feel more comfortable with right now. And I'm hearing that from a number of people. So it's going, this is a really, we're heading it's into not, strange times. It's, and, and they're not entirely wrong in believing that people have turned their backs on them, yes. that they've forgotten 240 people are held hostage or 1,200 have been murdered. Or they don't care. It's not a question of forgotten. They don't care. Right. They don't care. Right. 
Right. So, and that even, even more reason works, yeah. for people to, you know, turn to places that they believe are providing a better, uh, a better view of it and at least not forgetting and acknowledging that that happened. I'll tell you, it is, it, you can see, um, how some aspects of, uh, the, the mainstream media have shifted their narrative in perceptible ways. Yeah. Um, and, and I understand, like, if you talk to journalists and editors and say, you know, there's this, there's this massive story in which, you know, the Israelis are wailing on the Gaza Strip, and that needs to be covered. Um, but it, it also needs to be covered in, uh, at the same time of ongoing, I think, traumas of, uh, of, of, Israelis as well, right? You can and hold both that, of those ideas in your head at the same you time. You can hold both those ideas in your head. And I think that the um, the narrative of what we're talking about, the narrative about with that lacks nuance of oppressor and oppressed has seeped into coverage of, no uh, of this conflict. No doubt. I've been trying to fight against it as, as best as I possibly can. Um, anyway. 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 All right. How many days till Hanukkah? I don't know. It's not going to be the most festive of holiday seasons. I'm still year. holding out hope I might get something. Good luck. All right, buddy. Other than a chocolate coin. Mm. I suck. The chocolate's not even good. For Hanukkah, all I want this year is for the hostages to be released. How about that? That's very nice. Yeah. <laughs> I was like hoping for like a gift and you're like all about humanity. Now I feel like a heel. Whatever, man. I can hold two things. I want the hostages just to come home and I want a gift. That's fair. Why can't I have both? Exactly. These are not, these are not mutually exclusive things. Exactly. All right. right. We're out. out. Have a good week, everyone. You do. You too, I mean. You do. You do. You do. You're open. Weird. Just Just (laughs) cut. What a movie. Goodbye. Goodbye.